I'm working with Jimmy Iovine with on a new uh, headphones for seniors. It's called Diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Diabetes you. Diabetes by Dre. <laughs> Thank you. Diabetes by Dre. By an actual doctor, Andre. For the active senior in your life. For the active senior. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be the uh, hopping senior. Right. Because he's missing a foot. <laughs> Diabetes Joe. That's a Brimley gag. <laughs> You guys want to hear my Brimley chunk? (laughs) (laughs) I got a fucking sweet Brimley chunk. Welcome to Ear and Loathing, and the Gitmo Bros have a big announcement. It is episode 65, and we are officially retired. Uh, Just kidding. That's it. Going to collect the check and go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it's you can't even retire at 65 anymore, right? It's, isn't it 72 or something? Oh, yeah. No, there's no way. You, you'll never be able to live, because we're going to live too long. Yeah. Some of us. Yeah. Well, right. Well, <laughs> gy- gypsies aside. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and rub it in. Gypsy forget. It's 62, Aaron? Uh, no, it's 66. 66? That's be not out. bad. What you- <laughs> That's a, I mean, it's a sweet run, but- you know. Yeah. <laughs> you lived a full life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when I was 15, that seemed like, ah, fuck, dude. Fine. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> not, not any longer. <laughs> now, I'm a little bit concerned now. Do you, you don't think she meant episode 66, did she? Who knows what they see? I mean, it's just yeah. they're looking through the, the mists of time. Yeah, uh, into and, a crystal and, ball. <laughs> yeah, right. And and imagining what could be, she seemed pretty on top of it. Is about a lot of other things. Is the is the anxious part of it for me? Is that she was really nailing a lot of other things. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> which makes me concerned if about. You this. lay off the pies, though. I mean, you know, no yeah, diabetes. You, you know, I yeah, feel like no diabetes. You don't want. Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't want to. You know, look both ways. Yeah, my money's always been on that. You're going to defy that always. That's why you got to live. You know what I mean? Just go live. <laughs> live your life. Eat, live, love. <laughs> live, laugh, love. <laughs> live, love, laugh. Right. Yes. Yeah. And travel pants. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> My mom had a wonderful necklace that had Japanese characters that said in jade, and it said, live, love, laugh. Said, <laughs> Christ. Awesome. <laughs> your mom was a saint, and I won't hear a bad thing against her, but that, come on with that. That's yeah. such an ant thing to be wearing. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. She was, I'm sure that she was too hip to be wearing that, just yeah. flat out. Yeah, I, I felt like people thought that was cool then. I don't know. <laughs> love, laugh. <laughs> you know, set 1976, you know? Yeah, that's a, it's a less crude way of saying, hey, man, it should happen. You just got to fucking do it. Live, love, laugh. It's how I live my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> at the DMV. The guy's live, loving, and laughing right now. Look What's at him. It's a big deal with him. He's having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, listeners are going, do they know they started the show? They don't know. <laughs> they got a whole live, laugh, love trunk. <laughs> I got to get to it. As discussed, this is episode 65. And guess who's in the torture chamber? That would be little Lord Fauntleroy himself, George. Yeah. <laughs> and we're the Gitmo Bros. This is Ear and Loathing. And we are the number one rockers forever and ever and ever. So... 
why don't we say hello to the Gitmo Bros? Let's start with our pal. He is uh, the Foxy's active senior media <laughs> darling of the uh, Gitmo Bros, and he's going to say hello right now. Hi, I'm George White, and all I want to do is put my boom boom in the zoom zoom. <laughs> <laughs> He does, too. I know that about him. That's all I want to do. <laughs> and, of course, calling in from the North Star, he's my North Star. He's George's North Star, and he's also George's Boom Boom's North Star. Why don't you say hello? Baringa! My gray hair says refinement, but my new hip haircut says playa! <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you get a fade? I was thinking about getting a fade. <laughs> uh, no, no, I just fucking I, I figured out that with so much fucking gray hair, it was just going to look better short. So it's uh, short, but hip, hip for the kids. Yeah, I think that's what I'm doing Saturday. I'm going to get the, you know, the grays in the sides, just get rid of it, fade it up. <laughs> oh, I like it, in fact, because I'm not afraid of the gray at all. I dig it, in fact, but the, when it's longer, it gives the impression that I just sucked three years of your life away. Like, it's, it's, that's what I think. <laughs> that you're a crazy professor? <laughs> yeah, and it just looks too strange to me when it's long. So Own your truth, man. Own your truth. Yeah, live, love, laugh. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of uh, withered old men, we have to check in <laughs> with our buddy, Clem, and his, his little buddy, his uh, Padawan, gubernatorial. Because they, they've prepared a special song for us, okay? So let's see what they got going. Hi there. Welcome to Kibitz Corner. Hmm. Well, that's too much different from previous weeks, but we appreciate the effort for sure. I was just I was just thinking when you said that. I pictured when you said all that about Padawan and all that. that, that when the, when the, you know, the ship crash lands on Yoda's planet and all that, in, instead of teaching him ways of, of Jedi, he just makes him learn banjo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this it? He's just yelling at Luke. <laughs> I don't remember Darth ever doing this. Annoy people, you will. Annoy people, you will. <laughs> <laughs> Hillbilly, you are. All right, so th- you know what that means. When we hear from Clem, that means that he's yeah. opening the door for George to uh, regale us with a kibitz corner. Yes, so... uh what we're going to do is we're going to do a, a, a get-mo reaction. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So well, I guess that means we roll get- my new favorite theme song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. It's a get-mo. Get-mo reaction. A get-mo. Get-mo reaction. Get-mo reaction. Yes, it is. Gitmo reaction. And George is going to tell us what we're reacting to today. We're going to react to the end of Kiss. The rock and roll band Kiss. The rock and roll, not the kissing, not the act of kissing, but uh, <laughs> it's not the end of that. No way. Um, yeah, the end of the end of Kiss, the, uh, the last show. And I think it's real. That's part of the part of the reaction to this. See what everybody thinks. Is it real? But December 2nd, Madison Square Garden, that's it. I didn't know it was that soon. Yeah, it's coming in like in a week. And the weird part is even like today, they, they canceled some shows like in Canada because Paul's, Paul's got a cold. Oh, wow. <laughs> so are they going to make them up after the last date? That's what's weird. I don't think they can because it's the last date. So they were talking about that today. But how I came to this was that um, 
In fact, from what, what you just, you're just playing Devo there. And, and a friend of mine wrote on his Instagram, he had a, a thing of Devo and he wrote, Devo, my gateway drug to punk rock. <laughs> 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 and I thought that was so great. And it reminded me that my gateway drug to all music and least rock music and even the path I'm on today is Kiss. And it was for millions of other kids and boys in I thought a lot about it because they played the Hollywood Bowl and I didn't even notice. And it was the last show in Los Angeles. And I'm like, I saw someone put it up and they're like, oh, they're there. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even care to go or even I wasn't even really interested. I mean, I granted I'd seen this tour in the beginning when it started in 2019 before COVID. And then they had to postpone it. And that's why it's dragged on till now. I did think that, um, you know, the Paul Lynn Halloween special in 1976 was my and a lot of people in our generation's Ed Sullivan moment, like the Beatles, where you saw Kiss for the first time. I think there's a lot of young men who also think that Paul Lynn was a gateway to other things, too. <laughs> they, they probably do. And I did think about that, too, that, that watching that, I watched it with, you know, my neighbor across the street, Pat Moore, who was probably 45 years old. And, you know, my mom went out on dates or, or went, went somewhere. You know, that's when, you know, my neighbors took care of me. When I was 10 years old and went over to Pat's house and we, and she was interested because I think she liked Paul Lynn, like, or something like, I can't really put a finger on when Paul Lynn was a star and why other than Hollywood squares. Yeah. Well, he was on a dream of genie and stuff. He was a, like, yeah. A, a, oh, like a warlock like a character right. actor. Right. Yeah. And I, I didn't know who he was really other than Hollywood squares, but, but so we're both sitting there watching this together. And that was the moment for me where I'm like, wow. And then within a month I had, Destroyer was out, and I bought Destroyer. And then I thought, it seemed like such a long time to me then, but it was three years because almost to the day, like November, around now, November, I'm going to say early November, mid-November, that was when the Dynasty Tour came to Los Angeles. It was the end of the Dynasty Tour. They were fighting. Peter was on drugs, and he was kicked out like a month later, and that was the end of it. And it was just those three years. And to me, it seemed like forever. And Was that where you heckled Cheap Trick? I didn't, I heckled rat. Oh, I did heckle cheap trick. Sorry, you're right. They couldn't hear me, but mm. um, I, I, I heckled cheap trick, no, two years before. Oh, got it. And when they played the forum, same, same thing, though, like they played the forum this time too. But it seemed like forever for me, and, and that was only three years. And, but it made such an impact on me. And I, I even thought about that during that time, I got introduced to Van Halen, and Gene Simmons was the one that found them. And I thought, God, what, a, what an impact that had on me. And then, what you said the other day, uh, Damon, resonated with me where you said Tom Selleck and Sting were early heroes of mine, and they spent the last 30 years pissing me off and trying to get me to hate them. <laughs> 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 and that's exactly what Kiss has done for, you know, <laughs> yeah. for this it's time. Drag, I think that my impression of deep Kiss fans is that there's an awful, like, part and parcel with it, and, and kind of a groovy thing, frankly, but part and parcel with it is defending them or having to say, I know... To fucking everyone. Everyone. <laughs> everyone gives you shit. It's the same to me as what I imagine it is like for people into fish. <laughs> Which I'm into too. <laughs> you know, we're like, it's like, we're like, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Or like the deadheads had to do. But yeah. like, you know, just constantly <laughs> having to defend it or just say, I know and move on because to stand up for them and get pissed, you would be worn out which is a bit of a drag, but I kind of like that it forces the real fans to, to bleed true. So Don't KISS fans get super defensive, though? 
Because some some people are like uh, Ace and Peter are just kind of like these loser drunks and drug addicts. We don't care that they're in the band anymore. In fact, they make it worse. Get the guys who are good in there, and then the other people just just demand to have Ace and Peter in there. So I thought there's like some Kiss fans that are sort of like defensive, and some people who defend Kiss, the you know the the projects because mm-hmm. they want that thing to continue as opposed to we need the original members. Right. In- interesting point too because the. You know, there's this back and forth with them, which is going on right now. And what you said, Damon, though, I don't know. I, I've never met anyone who's a fan of the new Kiss and likes Tommy and Eric as, you know, the Spaceman and the in the Catman. I don't, I mean, they've made some records, you know, since 2000, maybe two records, I think. But I don't know if people are really fans. Maybe they are. Like, does Kiss have new fans? I don't well, know. Anecdotally, Dunmore is just a fan of Kiss, and yeah. he just being a sort of pragmatic guy, he's like, "I want to see Kiss. I don't want to. I don't care that the other two guys are in there, especially because they don't they don't perform up to the same level that they used to perform at, or at the level that that uh, the new guys perform at. So, I want to see Kiss being rocking and kicking ass, not not like this, you know, kind of phony nostalgia thing where it just is a is a lesser, weaker product, you know." Yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on the other side of that where I think that having the two of them in it and at least for this last show where these guys are still quibbling over money or who's going to wear the the makeup and all this it's the last show. If you have to give them both a million dollars, do it. It's the last show. It's the ending to the story has to be that they're all out there. It has to be. Are they are they like demanding money to do it or oh, yeah, do they just want course. to do it for oh, yeah. the legacy? No, they're demanding money and there's a there's a halfway point there but as usual they can't come to any agreement on this. And I'm hoping they're it's all a big setup and they're just going to be there. But, yeah. And I'm not talking about for the whole show but have them come out and do an encore or something and do it that way because I think they're in New York it's where they started. Yeah. Like if it wasn't New York maybe I'd feel different about it but there, it's, in, it's the end of the story. This is the end of the story. There is no other ending than all of them together. Are people buying tickets to see those two Nimrods, or are they just they're just going to want to go to the last Kiss show? Yes, correct. Yeah. So, like, yeah. like why are they, where do they get off demanding money? Yeah, it's immaterial. It's immaterial to add Peter. I mean, to from Paul and Gene's perspective. I'm yeah. sure that they believe that it's a totally unnecessary hassle and they need to like sweat it. Are they, what shape are they going to be fucking in? What are they going to show up at? Are they going to fucking sandbag it to fuck us? Cause we, you know, I'm sure that everyone's got these all crazy, you know, cynical and suspicious of everyone. And like, fucking better to just end it. Like, I know where you're coming from, George. That yeah. makes sense to me. But after they've carried the flag for this long, it seems, it seems, it would seem crazy to, put the brakes on, but like, it does seem totally possible. Like what's preventing them from coming out to rock two songs. Yeah. Just get it. Like you can rock two songs, get in the outfit, fucking do the thing. Well, no, they don't want them to wear the outfit. That's the thing. They don't yeah, want that's them to nuts. Do- yeah. But like, yeah. if they're there, put yeah. them in the fucking thing. Otherwise everyone's going to be really short. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't it make sense. And also, yeah. and, and the, one, one of the points I want to get to is staying on an apple box. <laughs> <laughs> a man maker. It's like, Give it's Ace, Ace a man maker, would you? It's like Ace with that high voice. Hey, can I get the shoes? Come on, guys. Hey, chance I get a man maker? <laughs> hey, you have a less ball. <laughs> the um, I think why not do it even and figure it out somehow that you can make this work. I know they could come to it if they. And, and the other thing that bothers me is everyone in this conversation is seventy five years old. <laughs> I mean. <Well. laughs> 
at what point do you say, well, you know, we're old and we just sound stupid now and come on. And the, and the, other, the thing I wanted to get from you guys, because I do get the other side of it from what Gene and Paul are saying, Aaron, because anyone who's been in a band where a couple of the guys or one of the guys is a big pain in the ass knows mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Everybody. Yeah, there's a few people in my life that I yeah. do not want to ever see again, and I certainly don't want to play music with them, right? Ever again, and and they are they exist in the world. And imagine if everyone else was telling me, "Oh, bro, for some reason you have to." Yeah, right. <laughs> right? That's and I understand. I understand that that's what's going on. But at the same time, right. many times, like with them, and I think I'm thinking of the scene in the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody where Freddie goes to try to make a solo record and he's all fucked up and he comes back and apologizes to them and he says i got the best musicians in the world but there wasn't you telling me i was wrong and you with your little comments and you and whatever that chemistry is it's there for a reason and if you have to put up with those guys then you put up with them and i know when you're 75 years old and have a lot of money you just don't want to do that anymore because you're putting in a day at the office this isn't what it used to be well what's what's true about them though like what's cool about that story about when they came back yeah. Is that they were all worried about like, because that seemed to be the temperature of it was that the dudes would come back. It was electrifying for three weeks. And then the path is, is that, in, in Paul's words, everyone becomes so ungrateful, like, which is, is, makes me fingernails on a blackboard. It's like, shut up with your grateful. What do you want them to do? But I think that they get maybe, they all become babies. So like, if we're talking about one show using that previous algorithm, Chances are it's going to be electrifying for two songs, and then you all go home and you satisfied everybody. It seems like a neat thing to do and an yeah. easy enough thing to do, but there must be a lot of hate, and they're really shitty with each other. So, like, well, yeah, what's the point? And they know they already sold it out anyway, Georgie. I mean, like, they could. Ah, they have so much money, though. Even if they, yeah. whatever. I think Ace has been quoted a thing of like two hundred fifty grand, or you know, like, and 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 by the way, even in speaking specifically of Peter, who's the oldest of them and, and reportedly not in good health. And I'm not sure he is in great health, but Eric fakes the piano on Beth anyway. Like Peter could come out. They don't, you know, he doesn't have to play with them. They'll put the record on. He can sit by the piano and sing Beth. <laughs> and that's that. Like there's not, that's not that hard. <laughs> they just show they, some footage from Tiger Stadium back exactly. in the or whatever. <laughs> Wheel out. Play that. A hologram of Peter. <laughs> no, people have talked about holograms with this team and they've that's been brought up. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Well, not a hologram ace there. We have the rights to him. Fuck him, you know. And <laughs> I thought we were going to talk more about Kiss as a as a kind of legacy. As a, but well, I, that too. We, now we've talked about the last night. But what what do you guys think? I, well, I just want to finish because I I was thinking about this and and this kind of occurred yeah. to me. I'm not a big Kiss fan at all. I just know a lot about them now through uh, Dunmore, and I made some videos about them, and also I listened to the entire run of the, the first several years of, of Pot of Thunder, which started off as right. a Kiss podcast, and then yeah. just when they ran out of Kiss songs, they became like just a rock podcast. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I've thought a lot about Kiss, and something, as I was thinking about them last night, I, this kind of revelation came to me that the reason why I don't have any you know, sort of sympathy for, for Ace and Peter. And I do have respect for Gene and Paul, even though they can be dickheads too. Don't get me wrong. Um, is that like Gene and Paul wanted to be loyal to guys in this case, Ace and Peter, they gave them a 5 billion chances to get their shit together. 
to drag them into the studio, tried to, you know, get them to sing on songs and, you know, whatever. All the effort they made over decades with these guys. And they just, those two guys were just so fucking indifferent about this uh, legacy rock band that they were in. And they just got down to their petty money complaining bullshit and Gene was a dick or whatever. It's like the reason he's a dick to you, dude, is because you're you're a fuck up. They're just like eternal fuck ups. Look at how long Eric uh, and and Tommy have been in Kiss since the nineties, something like that. Uh, yeah, well, early two thousands, yes. Yeah, so yeah. but a good couple decades, right? Yeah, uh-huh. they're loyal to those guys. You know why? Because those guys aren't fuck ups like the other two idiots. You know, so I don't have. I, that's why I'm just like. If you just put makeup on a guy, you're fucking problem solved, you know, and, and you like working with the guy and he's really good and he doesn't show up drunk or and he actually, I don't know, shows up like Ace is like they didn't they find him like on a swing set at a park near the stadium or something on a showtime in like 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> is well, there some story about that? I, I don't know the swing set. Part. I know he was late for the first show at Tiger Stadium at the reunion. Jesus. And, yeah. And that but to me. That's that's what Gene and Paul are so straight. That's what gives the and it always was with them. That's what gave the band the, the edge, the rock and roll. That's what gave. It's easy them for that you to beginning. say though, George. No, like, I know. When people always say like the rock inside, like that. When I hear that, I get it. But I also it gives me a fucking aneurysm when oh. I think about like anyone who's ever tried to lead a band or fucking heard yes. fucking cats like that. Hey man, that's just the way it is. Rock and roll. It's like it fucking isn't, man. It fucking isn't. <laughs> there's never two, two guys or more. This is a business, right? Yeah. Oh fuck! It's it's just like, or it's just like, be appreciative of everybody else's time. Like, yeah. Everybody says everybody said no to everything else on the fucking universe to be there at that moment. So it, it's it's fucked up to do that, and that you know. But like, there's all everyone's got their reasons, and there's those regions are legion. And as Damon just said, and as you've admitted to George, like. Paul and Gene are, it's well-trod territory. Those guys are fucking monsters in their way. So it is probably a bear. Like, imagine, like, and I imagine if you're with Ace, you go, dude, you have no fucking idea. You don't have a fucking clue. You'd be on a fucking swing set too, bro. You're right. (laughs) Probably was. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I think maybe Eric and Eric and Tommy are are easy to deal with because they're employees. Yeah, (laughs) they are. But I bet you that that if Eric has a beer, like if Gene walks by him pre-show and and he's just like sipping a beer, he's not going to care because he doesn't turn it into a problem. You know, Gene walks by smelling like two 16 year olds. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Gene, dude. Well, one thing I want to hear from you guys on, too, and and my take on it and what I what I did think about as far as legacy for them. Other than the Beatles, right? What other act does everybody know all four guys in the band and they seem equal? I know Gene and Paul, just like John and Paul, are a little bit more than the other two. But everybody knows the four guys in the act equally. People knew Van Halen that way. I get your point, but there are there are a handful of bands where they're like they're like action figures and like so yeah. many celebrities. Motley Crue, people knew them like that. I mean, to a lesser extent than Van Halen, but like yeah. it starts to it starts to dwindle after that. Um, and also, they weren't themselves. Kiss, right? That's were, that's maybe that was the genius of it. But I did think like, wow, that's everybody knows that. And the other, and there's not a lot of bands that are like that. And Van Halen, I thought about, but I just don't think people give a shit about Michael Anthony. Are you saying by name, George? Yeah, by name. Like if I ask my wife or someone younger than us, do they know the names of the guys in Van Halen? And they know Dave and Eddie. And everyone knows Alice because it's his brother. But Kiss is like they've had the same, the same with the exception of fucking uh, 
what's his nuts when he was the pharaoh creature or whatever the hell it was. Um, oh, Vinny Vincent? Vinny Vincent. Vinny Vincent. Um, <laughs> the pharaoh But everybody creature? had the same makeup. So like, <laughs> it fucking could be anyone. So you change all the... And, like, yeah. Fucking kiss, dude. Well, and let's get and to that too. Tired. Because this is a good thing for the future. Because they always have, and apparently it's already in the works. They're going to do that. They're going to have like five or six touring bands that like one goes to Japan and one goes to the Midwest and whatever. They're going to gonna license that out and have five different bands touring around. One's going to do Vegas, et cetera. And that's how it's going to continue. I was thinking and, about that too, George. Yeah. Because I thought, what is the future of Kiss if this really is their... By the way, yeah. let's... let's, uh, let's like put a, a tickler on our phones for a year from now when Gene and Paul are saying, you know what? We're going to do one last tour, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm pretty exactly. sure yeah. they'll, they'll, yeah. you will see the real Kiss again. But let's say that moment when they finally do actually hang it up. The best way forward to me for them would be um, just give the project over to somebody who actually gives a shit about it. and Because it could go in one of two directions. You could do the Star Wars version of that, which is where like Disney gets a hold of it and it just it gets all watered down and and you know kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. And I, I could see because Kiss is a live performing entity, yeah. they would get like some fabulous Broadway producer to do the Kiss show, <laughs> you know. And it would I don't like saying this this phrase because it's associated with a certain political party, but. You know, guys our age are can be vaguely annoyed by woke agendas yes. in, in, in certain ways. And I could just see, like, I imagined uh, the, him going, we need an African-American woman in the Paul Stanley role. <laughs> and and I'd be like, okay, cool. You can put anyone you want up there, but she's going to be wearing the star child makeup. So They already had a black guy in the movie for half of Ace's role was done by that That's black true. guy. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something else. The best Kiss cover band I ever saw when I saw the um, the first documentary about cover bands, which um, a friend of mine directed and Steven Soderbergh produced. And I remember that. I remember that that uh, that movie. Yeah. And, um, and in fact, the movie Rockstar was a lot based on some of that. And anyway, the guy who was the singer in the Kiss band was black and it worked out perfect because, you know, Paul with his stage rap, everyone makes fun of him and suddenly he turns into, you know, he's suddenly from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> the way he taught all of his stage raps are like that, you know. How you doing out there, people? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't care who they get to do the roles. Yeah. Um, but it's just like if you force this thing on them, like where they, we have to celebrate diversity. No, you don't. These, these people are wearing Kiss makeup. And I don't care who, if it's men or women or whoever they are. It's the Kiss show. And I think like if you give it to someone like Disney or someone like that, it's going to be even like Peter Jackson, who I'm like getting a little tired of it, of his antics. But but like if you give it to someone who gives a shit, the people that came to mind would be like Rob Zombie or Marilyn Manson or even like Dave Grohl. And you put together this fucking maniacal, dark kind of gothic show. Because that's to me, Kiss, what resonates... Uh, with me, young Damon, who watched them for the first time, I was fucking scared shitless of Kiss when I was a kid. Their look and their their stage presentation and just their whole the whole thing was was just so wild and 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 dark and creepy to me. And I think they can still have that effect on audiences, kids and adults. But you have to do it right, you know. And I, I think the the guys still sort of do it right these days. But I'm picturing mm. it being a show like almost like a 
series a, a t like every every year they go out and there's a new chapter they're telling in this in this dark story of kiss you know but they're still playing the songs mm-hmm. and there's i just could picture it being really cool if, with if the right person produces it don't let someone do a disney to it because it's gonna fuck it all up you know well i i'm glad you said this damon because because one thing i was going to bring up is that it wouldn't be a bad gig being in one of these bands and you with your salt and pepper good looks and you know skills on the skins You'd make a dynamite Peter Chris. Right, well, come on. <laughs> and my mellifluous voice. Yeah. You're serious. You show up. You know. What you- hey, uh, uh, Gene, Paul, this is me singing on Gitmo Reaction. Yeah, that's me. Just so you <laughs> yeah. know. That's my voice. Exactly. That's my audition. If you don't yeah. get it, maybe you don't want to. And also, Damon, you inspired me with your speech right there. Yeah. And I want to announce to everyone that I identify now as a star child. <laughs> that's how I identify you, too. <laughs> In many ways, I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a pharaoh creep. What did Aaron just say? <laughs> I don't know, he looked like a he looked like a fucking eggplant up there. It's so weird. No, he said pharaoh creature. Oh, creature. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an odd thing. It had an onk on him. I think it was an yeah. onk. He was onk man. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle. Uncle Vin. Oh, he's an Egyptian warrior. Well, you know, you know, Vinny's Vinny's transitioned. You know, sure so. he has. You bet he has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's a it's a, it's a trippy thing, but uh, I think I have my answer for this. So oh, thank both of you. I had so much discussing. more. Kiss. If you want to keep going, I, I'll talk. I'll talk kiss for an hour and a half, like you and the police. <laughs> um, you know, but well, Aaron, t- tell us what you feel about just kiss musically or anything else you want to say about kiss. Um, I appreciate them uh, and uh, their place. Uh, I I love the the drive and their story and that they stuck to it and that like, it just, it's a hard thing to get people in one place, let alone like, cause you can't ever just say, Hey, fucking just roll out on stage when you got to put all that stuff on. Like, it's just, it just seems so exhausting. And yet they did it. I, I give them props for that. And there's a lot of songs, you know, there's probably a good, like 12 of them that I like a lot. I like a lot in a big legitimate way. Oddly enough, Three of those are on Unmasked, the album that everybody hates. <laughs> I like that one. What do you like on Unmasked? Um, I'm to know that. Yeah, I can pull it up. Um, I appreciate where they where they've been and what and where they came from and how hard they worked for for real. But like they never hit me on like if I had an older brother or if I had or if any of the people who I was associated with at a real specific age. I think if it doesn't get to you by 10, it ain't going to fucking affect you. It just won't. Exactly when I, that's exactly what I was. I was and if it doesn't, like, if it gets you later, you're, it's not going to hit you the same way, and it certainly won't, like, be in your DNA. And so for me, like, there, nobody had any time for it that I knew. And by the time I was starting to get hip, I was into rougher shit. And, and they were out of the makeup at that point. Yeah, then I, I could have cared less. But, like, you know, it just didn't, didn't help that we didn't have a TV when I was a kid, so I didn't see them around and doing things where, like, everybody saw them for the first time uh, on television, you know? And so, like, that just wasn't my wasn't my experience. And I – here's Unmasked. Um, I like Shandy. I like Naked City. I like uh, she show, see, uh, She's So European. So European. Yeah. She yeah, sells, I like those. sells down by the seashore. <laughs> Uh, and those, so I like those a lot. And again, people fucking hate this record, but I, I think those, those are, are Bob Kulik tunes. I think, yeah. yeah. She's so European's a really groovy song. Um, yeah. And naked city's rad as hell. Shandy's awesome, but I just don't care. I really don't care. Like on this big gut level and they, and as you guys have been saying, they do, they've tried very, they've been a punchline for so long 
but but it's a compelling one. You know, I, I I happen to know a lot about them and watched a shit ton of documentaries about them, fan made and otherwise. And there's I used the content. I've taken part in the content for someone that I feel sort of ambivalent about. I've spent a lot of time on them, you know. So like, there's that. Yeah. So like, what's the real story? I just don't think they're under my skin the way they are. I know that they're not. But yeah. interestingly enough, I I imbibed in the in the kiss scene. I just don't share it with anybody. I never had anybody to share that with too. So even if I did like it, because that's a big part of it, it has to foster and breed, you know? George is sitting right over there. But he wasn't there when it mattered, you know? (laughs) You guys got some catching up to do. Yeah. I didn't know Aaron, you know, I didn't. You know, maybe (laughs) it would have been different had had that been true, but like, I didn't have anybody to to stoke the fire, an older brother or a cousin who fucking loved it. Like You couldn't yank your crank to kiss with anyone. (laughs) Nah. I was already into freaky shit. And like, I think that when you're into, like, I was already caring deeply about David Bowie. And so all that stuff just seemed like kid stuff. Like it seemed more adult to do the other thing. I think Agreed, it was, and I was yeah. interested. Yeah. I wanted to be slick and be thought of as cultural and ready to roll. And the other one seemed like playing with army men, you know? <laughs> agreed. Agreed. That's, that's right. And, that's and, a fucking, I, and it sounds like I'm pissing on it. It's just the nature of the things, you know, it's just different. You're absolutely right. And I, I, I was, I was going to bring that up too, that you have to say he you're scared of because Damon was scared of kiss. I was scared of David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was afraid of leaving from fear. Uh, okay. I, was, I was with Kevin Sullivan at the street scene and we for real bumped into him. And I said, excuse me, Mr. Ving. <laughs> like, I, was, I wasn't paying attention. I walked, blam, into him. <laughs> sp- sp- speaking of when, um, when Kiss is doing the, um, their first, you know, convention tour, where they take all their memorabilia out and then play acoustic sets at hotels and ballrooms, mm-hmm. which is what led to the reunion. In fact, the very night there in Burbank, it led to the reunion. So they're doing the Burbank Hilton, and I get the, the bright idea with my friend Sean, I'm like, we should go down there the day before, the night before, because they're going to be there doing sound check, and there's be no security around. And lo and behold, we go in there, and there they are, and they're sound checking. So we get to see a little of it, and then Gene's kind of standing talking to somebody, and I remind myself of um, George Costanza when he worked for the Yankees, and, G- and Sean goes, "Let's go talk to him." And I go, "I don't think I can." And he goes, "Why?" And I go, "I know I'm going to get in a fight with him." <laughs> and well, yeah, I-, I mean, it'd be like, "Hey, how you doing, Gene? I can't shake your hand the way you've treated Peter and Ace. I can't even look at you. <laughs> oh, you fucking make me. I-, I knew I'd get in a fight with him. Like I can't go over there. I'm too upset." <laughs> <laughs> and then that night he invited he invited Peter up and he did they did a song and I wasn't there for that because I didn't want to pay the hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, good God, a hundred. Yeah, I know. Please, I know. Back it was nineteen ninety five or ninety four or something, and I uh, but I, I did sneak in later after the show was over and looked at all the stuff, you know, and geeked out with the other fans. In twenty twenty three dollars, that's fifty seven thousand dollars. It is. It is it just is. I just did the math, the government math on that. You know, one one last thing that that I that I do find funny is there's a, a fair amount of people I've met that um, liked Kiss in the eighties, which makes no sense to me when they took the makeup off and became just a regular band. And I guess that's another thing interesting to me about them is that when they took everything off and they became a regular band, and they weren't great, but they were still able to compete in that market with other bands that were just other bands. They had this whole other career is a, a rock band in the eighties. It just was a rock band. You know, <laughs> what's funny about that is, you know, about my disdain for eighties, you know, yeah. hair metal. Yeah. And they just went head first into that oh, style. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, they kept up, but 
I gotta say, like, probably my favorite Kiss song of all time is Lick It Up. It's almost yeah. like ACDC level of of rock to me. It's like that good of a song. Even though I, wow. I like like Heaven's on Fire and stuff, I didn't care about any of those ones. But yeah. I just thought Lick It Up was just so fucking good. Um, and it's weird. <laughs> That's my favorite Kiss. I like a lot of other Kiss songs. And of course, it's so perfect because, you know, it's their big explosion out of the makeup song. And also, like, I don't know if anyone ever points this out, but it's like that tongue is so iconic in, you know, Gene's tongue. Yeah. And the yeah. song's called Lick It Up, just to remind. Yeah. It's like branding almost. It's so perfect, you know. It's a Paul song, too. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just late to the party, and this has always been known that, like... No, that, like, people the... love that song, and it survived. Like, like, my wife likes that song. I always think yeah. it's so weird. I love that we had this conversation that you like Lick It Up, and Aaron likes stuff off Unmasked, which seems <laughs> crazy to me. But <laughs> I like Creatures of the Night, too. Again, so that's, like, we're, we're centering on Vinny. True. Well, Creatures of the Night is, by fans worldwide, that, and me, too, considered in their top three records ever. For sure. And I still think that like Dress to Kill is among the coolest album covers ever. Oh, and yeah. Great, a great image of a band and like in the suits and like they don't fit and like it's, everything about it is cool. Like in how like what it takes to look like a freak and stand on a corner in New York. Like and right. it just yeah. looks awesome. Like the gray border and like every part of the art of that I totally love. Agree 100%. I, that, that album cover always freaked me out when I was a kid just because, yeah. like, you already knew how scary Kiss were, but then it was almost like they are gonna they might just show up in your neighborhood dressed like normal people but with those with that makeup on. It was just yeah, Particularly Gene's <laughs> pants. Like, I, I will never forget how odd it, like, it stuck out to me. Like, his pants, the, the cuffs are very high. Like, everything yeah. about it is crazy looking. No, and he has clogs on. They just borrowed some mm-hmm. suits from some guys that were there. They just, just went, hey, awesome. need your suits, and they they yeah. didn't. They, they they knew they weren't going to fit. Of course, New York guys were like, "Hey, Gene, where's the flood? <laughs> <laughs> Are you waiting for a flood, there, Gene?" <laughs> Later on, maybe after, after the show, we go to the R&B nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I. Uh, was able to gather any credibility of my my kiss assessment I, i'm gonna lose it all right now i yes. like the songs from the elder i think that's a pretty cool album as you know i listened to all those pot of thunder episodes so i heard virtually every kiss song i don't remember a lot of them because it's just you know typical kiss meathead music but mm-hmm. the elder stood out to me as something really interesting musically I thought the concept was as stupid as, you know, Kilroy was here and all that. But Oh, it's but, worse. <laughs> but the songs were, to me, like they were sort of progressive and psychedelic and weird. They almost was like a throwback to early 70s psychedelic music. And mm-hmm. that's shit I love all day and all night. And so and I could see why fans didn't like it. Over the years, that has certainly gained a, a appreciation from fans like you over the years when it was hated to start with. And it has you you are saying a lot of the same things that many people think now but when it came out to you at 15 years old or whatever i was it just made no sense at all yeah i, I could see that it's a heavy record though there's a lot of songs on there are heavier some are also very light but it's a, it's a whole story and all that and it is bob ezrin and he was by then he'd really gone off the deep end with cocaine destroyer was the perfect amount but by then by 81 he'd really gone off the deep end with coke and you know that's why it's some of the reason that record's as scattered as it is. But I see why you like it. But I, I and I, I don't like it. But I see why you do, and many other people do too. I think that's all I have about Kiss. I mean, my only other thing I want to point out, you know, we've covered Kiss twice on this shows. Meaning, we did a Torture and a Sorbet. And mm, so, right. who knows if any that. of these gags we've already or, or stories we've told have, 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 have already 
done them, but maybe new listeners will like to hear it. But um, I always loved that the Ace autobiography was called No Regrets. Yeah. Which implies that he knows he's a fuck up and acknowledges it and also lets you know that he has no regrets about it. He doesn't. <laughs> Super passive aggressive title. The problem is that I need someone to regret so that they have a bit of a fire under them to be better. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're, when you're around a personality like that, yeah. oh, fucking he, God, it's, right, it's yeah. the worst. He, Aaron's exactly right. Like, I don't think those two guys ever earned a second chance. They never showed that they were really going to, you know, get their shit together. So I say fuck them. I think you guys should meet with Gene, uh, bring an Excel sheet, have get, talk about a marketing plan, and don't have any drinks or any fun. <laughs> <laughs> At the meeting, none. All right, I can't well. imagine being with any of those guys. They all seem like a fucking colossal drag. I'd rather hang out with the who. <laughs> While Pete they're and Roger, right? <laughs> Hang out with Pete in the Moog room where he's all yeah. depressed. Plugging Pete's in, in there. Coat, Raj cables. wants to talk to me about fucking trout. It's <laughs> <laughs> enough, Raj. <laughs> this one's from my farm, Aaron. It's in the salad. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. Thanks, Raj. You notice how the belly has a different, slightly different shade than, say, the Norwegian blue, which is different. And I, I have some photographs here. Now, Now you're probably familiar. You'll love this. This is one that I... <laughs> Shut up, Roger. I would just dive into the lake at that point. <laughs> I got this one for you. I, I thought you'd like this one. Pete just comes out and just whacks him with the guitar. Shut up, Roger. <laughs> Hear about your fucking fish. <laughs> Well, George, now it, I feel like we've, you know, kind of got out all the kiss, the kiss information we wanted to convey to our listeners. I wanted to talk through it and get your guys' thoughts on the end of kiss. And, and, and we did. So thank you for indulging me and the audience as well. But do you feel like you have something? I feel like I've gotten an answer. All right. <laughs> I have my answer. I have my answer. Michael Caine kind of fell by the wayside for a few episodes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So much activity going on in the Gitmo universe. Well, you know? and I thought that, you know, by talking about something I knew a lot about, I could really take up a lot of time before you guys throw me down in the fucking dungeon. Oh, well, <laughs> nice try. Did okay with it. Yeah. Did okay, but not good enough. Not good enough. Torture chamber. Okay. I'm not going to bullshit you, okay? I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm going to torture you anyway. Suffering. Anger. Pain. Torture. All right, here we are in the torture chamber. George is chained to the wall. Mm. I'm going to do some government math here, if you guys will indulge me. Uh, Last episode, I was in the torture chamber. I kept it warm for you, George. And uh, let's see, we did... George went first with Elton John and the Robot Chronicles. <laughs> and then, I, am, I am your robot. Robot! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Aaron went second with Yaggedy Zax. So that means that... <laughs> Aaron must turn around and go first this episode, and I open up the floor to him. Well, you know, I'm so mystified by this, and, and this is a it's an interesting path I'm going to take to it, because this is a song that it's this version and what this version says and what it doesn't say and how limp it is compared to other versions of it and how sad I am that 
this is such a shit version that it sullies versions that came after it, which is sort of bizarre. This is done in <laughs> 1954. What? And, and there's a stand, it's a standard. And, and then it was saved valiantly by other artists who I'll discuss later. But like, I can't not hear this fool's version of it when I hear, hear them. And so it's, it's just schmaltzy and there's precious little information on this that exists. So really, truly, it's just about, it's a short song, but it's mostly about my, the vinegar I have for it are, man, you suck. It's like, you suck. Like everything about you sucks. And that's, <laughs> I want you to have that in your mind when you listen to it. Just turn it on. Fucking 1954 will tell you who it is. There's no way you'll pull the name, but you'll know the name when I tell you. I'm intrigued and scared all at once. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking drag. I, I don't know if I'm uh, jumping the gun here, but is this the original artist? Did this artist write this? He did not write it. At nearest I can figure, it was an Italian, sort of like Dominic the Donkey. It was <laughs> it was an Italian like folk song, but it became a big in the gospel church. And then a it's a church and song. It's a Lord song. Uh, it became a hit by a goddess who we can talk about later. And this version was a fucking hit too, which tells you about 1954. Anybody yeah. <laughs> dumb enough to want to go back there, you'd have to deal with this horse shit. <laughs> it's just fucking awful. It's it's angry. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, here we go. My I hated that singing style back then, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. this is this is My Friend, performed by Frankie Lane. <laughs> Frankie Lane, he of the uh, of the Rawhide fame, which he had a massive hit with later, and he had a shit ton of hits. He's right next to, if not the whitest guy that ever existed. <laughs> Paul Anka has so much more sauce in him than Frankie fucking Lane. Let's put it that way. <laughs> We haven't even heard Frankie lay it down, so let's let's hear him lay it down. And again, this is Georgie. This is my friend. This is about the Lord, and he wants to tell you, wants to assure you, the listener, how tight he is with the Lord. Now, if you were the okay. Lord, the last person you'd want to hang out with, I'm positive of this, would be Frankie fucking Lane. <laughs> the how do you handle a hungry man? The manhandler. He also sang that, George. You remember that that ad when we were kids? How do you handle a hungry man? A yeah, manhandler. Yes. That was that was him. That was Frankie fucking Lane. <laughs> and by the way, I wanted to check to see if I because I I yelled it out to my wife and she's like, "What the fuck is that?" And I told her, and I was like, "I'm sure I'd blown it out of proportion." She pulled it up in two seconds online. It's the fuck I I was underselling it. <laughs> <laughs> How do you handle a hungry man? <laughs> Manhandler. Uh, let's listen to some, some Frankie. My friend <laughs> is the king of all kings, and yet my friend walks beside me. Is this like whistling past the graveyard? What I was upset about this today is I was thinking that, like, when later on in 1964, Mahalia Jackson did a version of this song live, walks on stage, there's a band somewhere off stage, and she fucking does it, and it made me cry. It was unbelievable, and she's an astounding artist. 
it's mildly fitting that we're choosing to talk about her today in that she sang the national anthem at the inauguration ball for Kennedy. Oh, wow. right. Yeah, that's today. Yeah. Um, right. 60 years 60 ago, years. too. Yeah. yeah. I was yelling at this, about this in the house, and I, I, my wife's like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> Just wandering around my house screaming about this. Have some hot cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a, a mellow tea. Someone get air in a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to put a sweater on or something, honey? Um, I was I was yelling about the fact that this guy wants to like talk. Like, Jesus is my friend, and he walks with me everywhere I go. Despite being the king of kings, he walks beside me, and he's just a needy motherfucker. Just a needy motherfucker. And I was saying it's just as bad as that fucking egomaniac who's singing New York, New York. Who's like, start spreading the news? I'm moving to New York. <laughs> All right, man. Sounds good, Gary. I, can I go? I, I, a lot of people move to New York. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'll send you your mail. You know, I, what, what are you, alert the media. What are you fucking talking about with your fucking moving plans? I don't care. And so, to me, it is the same. Now, what's interesting about it is that I do not hear it like that in the slightest when Mahalia sings it. Now. It's not just enough that the guy's doing a corny, delivering it to the very middle, you know, the little fucking housewife in Iowa, perhaps. So it's not just that. There's something else happening. And what comes out of Mahalia's version and the effort that she's putting into it, the skill she's putting into it, makes it seem like I'm going to do my best as a person out there in the world. I'm going to do my fucking best. And as a result, it's my understanding that Jesus or whomever will be there for me. When I need him. When I hear Frankie sing these same lyrics, it sounds like, I sure hope I get in the fast line at the store today. I sure hope, like, it sounds like he's nitpicking J Boogie, you know? <laughs> and he doesn't have time for that. Don't treat him like that. Well, I, we've all, we're not like barely one line into it, but I almost feel like he's, he's name dropping or something. You know, he's he kind is, of bragging. dude. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, it's like the guy, if you found Frankie Lane's cell phone and you'd look under the Lord, it would say the Lord and there would be a memo that said, yep. The Lord. <laughs> yep, that's him. <laughs> yes, that Lord. Yes, it's not that the Lord, Lord of something. It's he's the Lord. <laughs> Did I mention he's the King of Kings? Yeah. Oh, you're a king. He's the King of the Kings. So, <laughs> so you know, good luck with all that. So let's listen to some more of it. Just listen to his fucking round voice with his fucking limp ass delivery. Now you want to talk, you know how fucking Damon hates the fucking Jordanaires. This sounds like the Jordanaires cloned themselves. There's 60 <laughs> groups of the Jordanaires and they're all around one microphone just shouting at it like a Rose Bowl full of Jordanaires. One of my biggest musical complaints of all time is I can't think of a more magnificent vocal performance than Ray Charles singing Georgia. But then that backup choir, mm -hmm. which is about as pasty white as you've ever heard, that, that's exactly what this, this choir at the beginning of this reminded me of. So schmaltzy. I can't even listen to the Ray Charles version. You know, now that we've got this technology that can separate, you know, Lennon from his piano, right. do you think we can maybe apply it to Ray Charles? Yeah, speaking of the Lord, you do the Lord's work. Yeah, come on. Get those fucks out of there. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what it reminds me of already out of the box. So I already hate it. Yeah, it's aggravating. And needy. <laughs> and like, and part of the rule, isn't it supposed to be that the, he's going to help you if you help yourself? It just sounds like this is a guy who's not doing that, you know? Yeah. And therefore, it's just a hassle and taking up his time. He doesn't have time for nitpicking and time wasting when you're the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> My friend <laughs> rules the earth and the sun. 
and hit my friend. Have you ever heard any footage of Liberace speaking? Like, uh, yes. there's beautiful yes. stuff on like the Mike Douglas show where he'd be yeah. on with Little Richard. Just unbelievable. So great. And Lee sounds so much more. <laughs> So much more butch than fucking Frankie Lee. And that's saying something. <laughs> Why do you sound like that? It's kind of wormy, right? Totally. That's what it is. It's like he's like... He's little, a weasel. He's just this little wormy man. <laughs> Stops to guide me, my friend. Takes my hand just when all appears in vain. Takes his hand. Does that make him a manhandler? <laughs> How do you handle a hungry man? How do you handle a hungry lord? <laughs> <laughs> so like he said, when it all appears in vain, he's going to take my hand and make it plain. And, and <laughs> it's so needy. Like, I just don't hear it like that otherwise. It's like, I like to believe that when all feels, you know, it's not about this little piddling stuff, whatever your little day-to-day -day problems are, Frank. We're talking about some real shit. You know, that's what the Lord needs to get involved in. You need to sort your own shit out otherwise. Yeah. I think that like when I describe it as whistling past the graveyard, it's sort of like, a, I don't feel like he really believes this. He has to sit here and convince himself that all this stuff is true. You know, it sounds disingenuous, I guess. That's what part of what I think bothers me, Damon, is that like, you're right. It's that I, it's bumping me that it sounds like this doesn't move him in the slightest. He's just putting his, his, his mouth around these fucking lyrics. Yeah. And knowing there's an audience who are just going to buy this milk toast white bread bullshit and right. you just have to say it and then people are going to like it you know because and, that, and that's a bit of a hustle i think it's like a holiday album like oh i didn't make the holiday record i don't need to fucking give a shit about jingle bells but i give a shit about the fact that i don't have to pay you know intellectual property and blah 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 blah, blah. i don't yeah. feel that was either i think those are jive too you know the re maybe the reason that mahalia jackson sounds authentic is because soul gospel r&b artists from that era were were singing from a place of struggle right. or can at least relate to the struggle because they knew and people growing who were going up in the church it. and singing spiritual songs and so yeah so like living with how to deliver that and even outside of the church like just how tough life was right. you know right back then for for people of color so i could see where it would sound more authentic and more real than this guy who's just sort of like this white sort of like boring you know cutout right yeah he he seems to me to be like uh those weird little tapioca buds and tapioca pudding. Like he just seems like a big human sized version of that rolling around with a little, with a little anthropomorphic mouth, little tapioca bud. My friend. And it also sounds like he's got a little bit of that going, you know, like yeah. a, like a milk bubble. Yeah. Two on. steps away from Kermit. Keep going. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Piggy. My friend. Shut up. All right. All right, here we go. And makes it plain through joy or pain. He'll remain my friend. By the way, it doesn't have a melody either. No, he's meandering all over the place. And now, now the it's not fair to fucking compare him to Mahalia Jackson. But like, hey man, that's what you get. If I sing fucking Billy Jean, people are gonna fucking think <laughs> I suck. And there's a lot of reasons for it. <laughs> My friend tells me life is a road, and though it ends at the bending, my what? 
What does that even mean? <laughs> though it, 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 my friend tells me life is a road, though it ends at the bending. Yeah, no, that, and I don't know that that's true. You know, the road bends again. <laughs> How does it end at the bending? Like going around the bend with the with the facts there, Frank. Yeah, he went around the bend. Yeah, yeah. I certainly have. What? what? Who wrote this? Who wrote this song? It's credited to the internet is wrong. Uh, because mm-hmm. it's credited to four different people who are all like current people. Then I read something about it being like from an Italian folk song. So that's what I'm guessing. And then therefore there's just no information on it. But even with like traditional songs, you usually find something. But well, Frank is Francesco Lovecchio, I'm seeing here. His his real name is Francesco Paolo Lovecchio. Yeah, no. And so he, he <laughs> yeah. didn't write it. Yeah, no, I was just looking at you said Italian folk song. Yeah. It might make sense that he... yeah. This was in somewhere with him from his grandma or something. Or I don't I'm know. not saying to like the 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 Frankie freaks out there, the lane heads, he's, <laughs> yeah, the the laners that they, that he has nothing to offer. I just don't want any, you know. And and it sounds like he's offering spoiled, you know, tapioca. It just sound it just doesn't have the any tapioca lumps worth or whatever to it. you said buds, <laughs> tapioca buds. Even his voice when he goes. It makes it plain. He just sounds funny. Like when the king did that, like the earth was shaking, you know? And and I was doing one thing more. I love the king's soppy gospel records. There's some that are less goofy, but a lot of them sound fucking similar to this. Way over the top, schmaltzy, but he is singing them. Probably not fair to compare Frankie Lane to the fucking king, but I'm doing it anyways. Schmaltz for schmaltz, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's the weak link and he's fucking up something that's great. And and he makes it embarrassingly bad, and he shits all over the point. I think too, which is kind of as a as an interpreter, what you're trying to avoid. I think. I think we're all being too generous trying to decipher the shitty song. It doesn't even deserve us spending time trying to understand what it's about. But, right. but that's what we yeah. do, though. <laughs> that's the show. Yeah, but my point is like it's 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 a sh- the song sucks. That's the, like the, yeah. the melody sucks, the lyrics suck, well, the message sucks. That was Aaron's directive before we started listening to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah, but it makes me angry because you could do better as as you approach this song. It could have been done better. And he just didn't have any interest in it. But it's 1954. Tough to say. Like, let's listen to it out. It's not too much left, I yeah. don't think. Yeah. There's about a minute left. It's a lot. But this it is. <laughs> the road is about to start bending here. And it ends at the bending. My friend tells me then there's a road beyond this road that is unending. But you said Someday. it ends at the bend. Yeah. <laughs> he did. You're That's Frank. What, look, yeah. the Lord's my friend. Don't. I'm not questioning. He's just telling me where this road is, and you know, you're not on it. What do you know? You're not his friend. <laughs> I think the Lord's yanking your chain, Frankie. Yeah. I bet. And by the way, by the way, you think there's any chance? Like, you needed to get a fucking ride to the goddamn Pan Am desk at the airport. You think that Frankie would be available for you? Hell no. No. I'm really kind of busy right now. I have to go up to talk to Lord over here. Yeah. I don't really have time. <laughs> He's not returning any of my calls, so I might I might have time. Got <laughs> to wait by the phone for for the King of Kings to get back to me. <laughs> I don't know. He's probably handling a hungry man now that I'm like myself. <laughs> All right, come on. Someday when I walk up the happy road that lies around the bend. <laughs> 
like this song is so fucking ponderous. <laughs> Shut up. This is this is the Salisbury steak of songs. <laughs> yeah, just as few people want it too. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I'm all good with yes. this. <laughs> Jesus. Can I just eat the box that this came in? <laughs> More nutritious. All right, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Is that technique or what, huh? Yeah, the last thing you'd want to hear is that if you were the Lord. Yeah, good yeah. Lord is what I have to say about this. Yeah, like, fucking shut it. I'm uh, confused by this a little bit <laughs> because he. So I'm re- so I'm reading a little bit about him here, and um, I find this funny that he his nicknames are <laughs> Old Leather Lungs, Mister Steel Tonsils, which sounds like a gay porno, and and Mister Rhythm, which. Fir- Everything the- you just said sounds more like gay porno than actual gay porno. The, the, fir- the, the first one, Old Leather Lungs and Mr. Steel Tonsils, I, I guess, but Mr. Rhythm? That, this song is missing any kind of feeling or rhythm or vibe. And then mm-hmm. I, my, my, my impression when I first read about it was that he sounds like a really bad version of Nat King Cole, which apparently that's what he is. They hired him to... Fake Nat King Cole is what this says here. Right. Dude, I mean, he has that kind of vibe. Like, you know, like Lundberg would love him. They're like, no, this guy really puts a song together. There's no feeling, though, in what he's doing. It's all... No. You know, when, honestly, Rawhide is kind of cool in its way. You're kind of funny. Uh, and, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah right. So what, when that is your crowning achievement, you know? I don't get how this guy... Like, there was a lot of good singers back then. Even yeah, the, the that's what kind I was of thinking. milk toast. How did he kind of bubble to the top? Because he just doesn't sound like he's that great of a singer. Dude, there's like nightclub acts, you know, and like and if you and they needed white guys. The flip side of this single was another take on another gospel spiritual that has chillin' in in it. Like all the all all the Lord's <laughs> chillin'. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So come on. And that, by the way, that's not just chillin' with the Lord. No, that's- <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> As he it claims to do all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God damn it! You know, you know what I'm thinking too is you know, uh, you know when uh, they're they're around the table in Goodfellas and he tells the story about the guy. He's content to be a schmuck, is what the story yeah. is. It's it's better. It, it sounds better in Italian. And I feel like that maybe this song is like an Italian lament, like those kind of songs that they that you know I'm talking about that they sing like that that are mournful, I mm-hmm. suppose. Like, I think maybe that's kind of where this was supposed to come from, but it's been really Americanized or whiteyized here. Homogenized. Homogenized, where it's just, now it's this. You know, because Mm -hmm. as I read read a little bit about this guy, it seems they, he was often hired by labels that were, quote, did race music to Mm. sing black songs to, I guess, make him appealing for 
white people that would like this. Yeah, yeah, and there was a bunch of of pretty of pretty white boys to do all that work. Right, like Pat Boone was, right, Pat was Boone, notorious yeah. for that. Right, but he's mm-hmm. way better than this guy. And Pat Boone ain't wonderful in, in my book, but <laughs> at least he had something. Yeah, no, some of those performers are certainly better than this. Yeah, that performance was a travesty. Yeah, it's fucking bad, and it's upsetting, and it's a drag. And I'm not necessarily religious, you know, but it makes me mad as for the Lord. <laughs> On his behalf. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not going to fucking say anything. You know how he is. Yeah. <laughs> no. He keeps it close to the vest. Yeah, come on, the Lord's vest. <laughs> if the Pope can have an apartment, uh, the Lord can have a vest. Yeah, uh, I call I call that's true. true. I think he's got a couple, like a, a bunch of different colors for every day of the week. Yeah, it's my Wednesday. It's a big Wednesday. <laughs> Little no fact, JC looks great in vests. The beard, no just, shirt, you know, just a vest makes him look yeah. nice. You know, I mean, you know, you can't wear a tunic all the time. You know, come on. Yeah. And you know, what the Friday's got fringe. Yeah, of course. Hell yeah, totally. Good cool. Friday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just Friday fringe. Yeah. <laughs> fringe vests, Friday. Sure, man. My fringe. <laughs> My fringe as it be- <laughs> is never ending. Around the bend. My Makes fringe. It plain. <laughs> Aaron and I do competing lanes. We're doing, we're doing dueling lanes. <laughs> God damn it. Anything else about Frankie there? No, nothing. There's nothing Uh. else to say. All right. Well, thank you, Aaron, for torturing George with with Frankie Lane and my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I am going to take George to fast forward to a little year that we call 1971. Yeah. Okay. And this is from a department, believe it or not. And this is from the, if you've ever wondered what a collab between Vic Lundberg and Bill Shakespeare would sound like, Uh you're in for a treat, department. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm going to send you guys some lyrics while we start the song, okay? Okay. And I'll tell you more about it, and we'll get all into it and have a good time. (laughs) Here we go. Things get a little easier. Once you understand, things get a little easier. I'll be expecting you to get a haircut by Friday. Forget it, Dad. That won't change anything. Forget nothing. You'll do as I say as long as you're living in my house. Things get a little easier. You guys getting those, that groovy dialogue? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm trying to. (laughs) 1971 hassles. Yeah, yeah. You you guys can follow along with the lyrics I just sent you too. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Carry on with the story. Easier once you understand. Things get he knows I'm not easier. feeling well, and yet he doesn't once take one understand. second out to help his mother. His only concern is for himself. Come on, Ma. What do you want from once me? Don't understand. argue with your mother. Just shut up and listen. <laughs> I don't on. think that's what his mom needs. <laughs> She's asking for actual help. <laughs> this is a song called Once You Understand by a studio group called Think. Where did you find this? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> think I'm going to jump out the window. <laughs> and you'll never believe it. It's written by professional songwriters. No, it's no, no, no. Yes. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of these kind of generation gap songs. Professional you know? songwriters who are taking a day off. Yeah. <laughs> I got this in my desk. Well, okay, let's just do that. 
<laughs> they subcontracted to amateur songwriters that day. <laughs> for just for that from a script they wrote. Like he wrote a script. He's like he didn't finish it, and he thought, well, <laughs> about a kid in his ma. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it, basically what you're hearing right now is is what you're going to get for the next oh I don't know three minutes or so. It's this corny dialogue. Okay, first of all, you've got the chorus of people. It sort of builds up. It started with one guy going. Things get a little easier once you understand. All right. And then more people join in singing. The drums kick in and they keep adding like guitars and pianos and shit. But that melody of of people singing that line doesn't change once through the entire song. So you just have that background (laughs) of that, that those two lines going. And then just these really bad kind of like i have to imagine it was just like the studio personnel they dragged in from the the receptionist desk to just go act like you're a young girl who's mad at her mom what do you mean mom you know it was it wasn't even like local actors they got to do it you know who at the local theater it's just bad civilians who walked in and read these shitty lines about you know as i said the generation gap and and these conflicts between parents and kids. Yeah, it's like subpar free to be you and me, uh, and and all those kinds of things. Yeah, for where sure. Where they're trying trying to share what experiences are for the different generations, uh, but those could manage to be a little bit more elegant. This is really corny, really corny. <laughs> and like, and what is it? And who's it meant for, Damon? Like, was it meant to be played on the radio for? Friends and a it's for the Lundberg crowd. crowd. Come the, on. Who yeah, is for? <laughs> for sure. Um, the thing that's weird about it is that the fact that it's promising you you're going to understand it nine thousand times. It's that that line is said in the song, and once yet, you understand. And yeah. yeah, once you understand, but you don't ever understand like who's. In fact, the end of the song. If you guys have read ahead, don't. If you want to ruin the surprise, but um, <laughs> the. the <laughs> The, first of all, the, the the there's never understanding between the characters. Like the kids are little snots, the parents are assholes. But once you understand, is that just mean once you get older? Because you you don't have a frame of reference for it now. Is that maybe, maybe that's a surprise ending? <laughs> yeah. Well, or you understand like maybe it's just a general like if we all try to understand each other. Right. So let's stop fighting. Bridge and, that gap. Bridge that gap. That works yeah. pretty well. Ask anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it to this day, it's it's always the the solution to all problems, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking nineteen seventy one, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I looked it up. I I couldn't tell where they recorded it, although my ear was telling me where they recorded it, and I realized the record label that put this out. It was called Lori Records, and it was a New York-based label. And I'm pretty sure they must have used the uh, the label's recording studio because all these people have those really bad, you know, like Long Island accents. Right. Come on, ma! You know, it's, it's just, <laughs> come on, ma! <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't say, "Did you eat the baklava I was saving for dessert?" They all sound like sweat hogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they also going to say that it's all sound like Gabe Kaplan. <laughs> <laughs> so let's carry on here. With once you understand, sweat, sweat hogs. <laughs> you got a bunch of sweat hogs in there. What? <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Yeah, look out for the sweat hogs when you go into the studio. Would you? <laughs> They're all over the place. This is lousy with sweat hogs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But mom, all my friends will be there. I said no. Can't go. But why? I don't want you in that neighborhood. Why? What's wrong with that neighborhood? I don't like the kind of people living there. Okay, so then we're we're kind of dipping our toe into the racist mom who doesn't want her daughter going to quote that neighborhood because she doesn't like quote those people who who live there. 
someday you'll thank They're really like lazy as fuck on keeping the note in pitch for once you understand. There's a lot of people hanging out too long on that. Stand, stand, stand. <laughs> Oof. Just stop it. Cut it. Once you understand. Stand. Save yourself. Stand. Use the backboard. Stand. Come on. Hey, you want to go raga. You want to go raga. <laughs> no, but they sit down. <laughs> if I'm going, oh, you, if you. <laughs> stand. Stand, stand, stand. 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 <laughs> hey, Louie, you're holding stand out too long, make us all look like chooches. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we're listening to the whole song just because we have to hear the ending. It's it's beautiful. Too much fucking perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure no one kept you company tonight while you were babysitting? What's yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I may have kept a couple people company while they were babysitting in my past. What's the sticky stuff on the Afghan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the questions get really, really gnarly and gnarly and gnarly, then it just goes, things get a little easier. <laughs> just to save her from having to say it's nut. <laughs> All right. That's supposed to be just curious. Just curious. Like the, the acting is like is fucking magnifique in this, I'm telling you. <laughs> Admit it, Mom. You don't trust me. Where are you whoa, going? Whoa, now? Oh, key change. Key change. <laughs> it's an emotional lift in the song. So are we gonna change the melody? No? Okay. <laughs> going now my friend's house don't you have things to do in the house don't you have any homework why don't you sit down and read a book oh don't go mom you're wasting your life away with foolish things what are you talking about this is like a bad sitcom writer's version of what how parents and teens talk to each other right there's there's norman lear who we're comfortable with then there's uh lupo lear (laughs) (laughs) lesser known and not equally talented brother harpo lear (laughs) <laughs> did the, the people at Lori Records or whatever you said, like, did that guy burst in the door and like the A&R guy, like, hey, guys, you think it was great when I signed Victor Lumberg? Well, I just signed <laughs> Fink. <laughs> I have to so, to break some bad news to you guys. This made it to number 23 on the Billboard charts. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. It was a hit. It was a top 20, well, almost a top 20 hit, top 50 for sure. This sounds like my family. This song sees me. <laughs> it's like a mirror into my soul. The writing's so fresh. <laughs> Jesus. What? So you'd have to think that I'm trying to figure from history here, like the lum. What what year's Lumberg? Is that around now? Ah, oh, what was it? Seventy. Uh, that was in. That was Nam. So yeah, six. It was six sixty four, sixty five, sixty six. I mean, oh right, 60, it was back 60, in sixties, right? Okay, because yeah. it just. I mean, I guess like the Law and Order crowd that voted for Nixon is is who wanted to write. That was that right. was this whole platform then. And this doesn't have a through line story necessarily. It does have one of those kind of uh, spoiler alert, uh, a tragic ending. But and you, you remember all those, you know, Daddy, please don't. It wasn't his fault. Like all the songs we've done and just those mm-hmm. story songs, you know? Yeah. And people just dug these kind of like creepy, weird songs with bad acting and, and stupid, you know, sad endings, I guess. Yeah. Fucking depressing, too. Like, it's really a drag musically <laughs> every other way, too. <laughs> like conceptually, too. Like, what is the point? <laughs> I know. Well, let's try to get through this because I want to get to the ending. We've got, we've got a ways to go here. 
Good, great. <laughs> Things aren't getting any easier, though. That's the other part of it, the, the bitter irony yeah. of what they say. This is getting harder. It's getting harder and zero understanding. Uh, how about your bridge club and your ladies' groups and your parties and your daytime programs? What about all that? That's different. Ma, I'll be home at 11. You'd better be home at 10. Or don't bother to come home at all. I like that threat. Yeah, she doesn't mean that. Think about that threat, Ma. <laughs> Aces, I'll see you later. <laughs> Good, I'll stay with my friends. Fine, this is better. I'll have someone keep me company while I'm babysitting, if you know what I mean. You could give out some fucking hand jobs under a bridge. <laughs> Ten bucks a man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some finger blasting in my future? Who knows? Fuck, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I was working 12 hours a day, six days a week, helping to pay for the food and the rent. I don't understand. What's that got to do with me? You can't figure that out for yourself. It sounds like there's two cars on the highway, and they both have their windows open, and one guy's listening to talk radio, and the other guy's listening to fucking the Fantastic soundtrack or something. And, and they're like, oh man, I hope we don't hit the light the same again, because I got to deal with his stuff fucking up my stuff. <laughs> It all reminds me of Howard Stern. His father, shut up, sit down. You're an idiot. I told you not to be stupid, you moron. You don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, like the, the fathers in this, in this, I, I feel like it's one guy maybe playing all the father roles, but they they do have definitely have that kind of like grumpy dad who's also doesn't understand the kids these days kind of thing. Right. But it's he's doing it poorly. It's like no one's good in this. The kids are bad. The mom, like everyone is just, you know, I'm not good at acting. I realized that pretty early on and I never, I hate when people ask me to do stuff like that because I just, I just sound like I'm reading lines, but I, I at least have the self-awareness to not do it. These people are just like, great take there, there, Susan. All right, let's move on. Get, get Larry in here. We got to get the dad parts down. You know, you'll understand when you're my age, you know, it's like the worst, <laughs> the worst. Yeah, they don't have, the, this, this is not, uh, you know, this is not top shelf material that they, that they have to work That's with. That's true. But. <laughs> But yeah, no, it is uh, rough. <laughs> you say there's a bunch more of it too, huh? Uh, yeah, we're we're still cruising awesome. along here. You're stupid. Hey, Dad, did you see my new guitar? I joined a group. Son, there's a little bit more to life than joining a group and playing a guitar. Yeah, Dad. What is there to life? Right, right here is where it sort of takes a turn. So he just said, oh, yeah, Dad, what is there to life? Because, um, <laughs> by the way, I love that line about the uh, he got a guitar and he joined a group. And he goes, you know what? His, his knee-jerk reaction is just to, to shoot <laughs> the kid more down. more life than joining a group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all, right. all the kid was, wants to play guitar. I mean, is that a big deal? What if he's, you know, it's just weird. Yeah, he didn't say, I'm giving up everything else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking old man. I know if he joined like the like the ROTC or something, I'm sure Dad would be fine with that. That's right. All right, so the kid goes, "What is there to life?" And so here we go. We're about to get our answer. <laughs> life. Hold on for a second. Yeah. Are they doing an echo on life yeah. there? Yes, yes, they are. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's slowly fading back with more uh, reverb on it with each each one. Yeah. 
And then the the chorus of of morons singing the singing the line are getting louder. It's just getting melodramatic at this point. Here He's we getting go. busier on the bass too. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was gonna say I heard that. Like I'm like that guy's ripping it. <laughs> <laughs> He's ripping it. Somebody's got to liven up this <laughs> fucking shit show. <laughs> <laughs> Rockefeller, huh? Do it! Things get a little easier. Once Break it down. Singers. Things get a little easier. Once you understand. Things get a little easier. Once you I think Juliet just drove off into a canal in funky Denmark. <laughs> it's like, fuck, fuck this. Gladly, too. No, she's let the Fuck bike go, like just fly off a bridge. <laughs> she's just let the bike, she's ghost riding her bike. She's let it go. She's said, Fuck this. I don't know. What's the point? What's the point of this? Well, bike? she was encouraged by Frankie Lane letting her know that her friend is going to just like carry her through these, yeah, these difficult moments, like bike, flying yeah. off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the song just stopped. All right. Okay. And here we go. Mr. Cook. Yes. Do you have a son named Robert? Robert Cook, age 17. Robert. It's like Robert <laughs> it's that close to Robert, right? Yeah. Robert you have a son Cook. named Robert Cook. Oh, Cook. no. They're going to uh, do this. Uh-oh. Here we oh. go. Yes. I'm sorry, Mr. Cook. You better come down to the station house. Your son is dead. Dead? How? He died of an overdose. Oh, my God. Probably wouldn't need to go down to the station, frankly. I mean, I hate to be—I'd hate to do a, a Law and Order episode on this, but it's probably not where he's going to be. Or... I'll meet you at the corners, I guess. <laughs> yeah, can, is it okay if I go to where he is? Why do I have to come down and fucking see you? Oh, is this where you eat lunch? Nice, really cool. I've never been in a cop shop before. Really cool. Is it cool if I go see my son? <laughs> All right. Things get a little easier. Once oh, it's ironic now, isn't it? Things get a little easier once you understand. Things get a little easier once you understand. <laughs> Christ. 1971 radio. There you go. That's the end. So so Junior died and and the guy's weeping at the end and then they're kind of reiterating things get a little easier. It doesn't sound like things got easier for nope. anybody. They got they worse. Don't. What exactly is the so message? Was it satire? I, no, it was a real song. So it's it's dripping in irony because it isn't doesn't get easier. Yeah, that's the part I don't get. What? And I disagree with the ending. I think he should have cry, cried in between between uh, sobs. If you want to go full cliche, he should have ye- yelled, "Carol or B- Billy's dead." He should have said that. He should have given the news to the why just the dad. <laughs> Jimmy's dead, and for some reason he's telling me to come by so he can show me where he works. <laughs> yeah, something, yeah. I mean, it seems to me that I should go down to the hospital. <laughs> can you just come downstairs? <laughs> and there's also, there's there's no... This, this story is very bad. If we rewind a little bit, not once did they ever mention or even imply that the, any of the kids were doing drugs. Right, that, that, that was no. my next point. They just said he was going like to join a group. Normal things. They want to. I mean, the babysitter is perhaps a little racy, but that's the girl. That's not the boy. <laughs> and he just wants to go to his friend's house. And I mean, the girl seems more racy. She's the one giving giving handies underneath the Afghan and hanging out in bad neighborhoods. <laughs> bad, yeah, boy, part, part of town. 
What does the boy do here? He And by the way, like he's never touched any kind of drug. He joins a group the same day he goes to the audition. They give him hard drugs that he can OD on. <laughs> if you want to join, you got to you got to do some smack, so dog. So All right, never done drugs before. So never he's smoked got cigarette. Long hair and then inverse and he's got a the babysitter's her and then Joel get off the babysitter. <laughs> Who's being told to read a book? The girl or the the boy has been told she wants to go to his friend's house. When I was your age, I was working. Okay, he got a guitar. Right. I guess the guitar is the gateway drug, and, and he's dead. That's right. So he has long hair. He wants to go to his friend's house. He doesn't work enough, and he has a guitar, which which obviously equals drug overdose. <laughs> yeah, they're saying don't don't join Stupid. a band because you're going to die. <laughs> But by the way, here's a song that we wrote that you could theoretically go write yourself uh, if you were in a band, but then you'd die. So I don't know what we're saying. I joined a group called Think. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think. I don't, it just, just, it just doesn't make any sense at, at all. Things aren't easier. Shouldn't the ending been he was down, he got arrested when they first saw the Mr. Cook thing? I thought, oh, it's going to be he got arrested and his dad goes down and gets him out of jail and he says, you were right, Dad. Or he says, "Ah, you're right, son. I should have now understood I understand. more." Now I understand. Yes, thank you. Like, uh, it's a story. This is just shitty. It's just now. Before you render a decision, George, yeah. I have a little treat to play for you guys. Because mm-hmm. believe it or not, some people actually covered this song, and by cover, I mean like all the spoken word stuff and the people in the background, you know, singing the things get a little easier. Now, were they being ironic? Because that seems like maybe a, you know, what was the, like a Shags thing where, no, this is genius. You know what I mean? One of them was sort of like more manic. Like I think they were kind of making fun of it. But this one, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I, I did pull out a little clip of it. And once again, the Gitmo Bros kind of like the planets aligned with our torture songs because that was obviously the very white version a soul singer named, I think it was Lily Fields, uh, mm-hmm. covered it and did like a soul version. The whole thing's pretty cool. And the characters who are talking to each other are black families. So it's almost like like good times or something. And they, they're really like delivering the lines and everything. It's still the same stupid lines, but they're doing a, a better job of it. But then I, I have this little quick clip of the end of the song, you know, and listen to how much better it is. Hey, Dan, see my new guitar? I just joined the group today. Son, that's a little more life Mr. Cook? Life. Yes. Life. Do you have a son named Robert Cook? Age 17? Yes. I, I like how the dad goes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like that. Who's that guy from, from those old movies? Yes. Right, right. Uh, yeah, right. The who's Mr. That? Ripple guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mr. Ripple yes. guy, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this is just a few more seconds here. You'd better come down to the station house with me. Yeah, so that's the funny, to me, almost like they put their spin on the joke. It's like he, he doesn't break the news that his son is dead or anything. He just says, you better come down to the station house. Almost like oh, my kid's in trouble again, you know? Right. That's the most brilliant edit of this ever. Yes. Yeah. That, that, yeah. At least that fixes it, kind of. Right. And what then listen, it, it just grooves back in. Here we go.
I think that I will listen to this version. <laughs> yeah. So once again, it's like it's it's like Frankie Lane versus Mahalia Jackson, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that I just thought it was fun when I found that. I'm like, oh, this fucking rules. This version. If I'd heard that <laughs> version first, I probably would like the song. You know? Right. Right. Still, this dumb story though. It is a dumb story. I don't know. All right, so I have a decision to make. And you sure do. And, yeah, this is really deep in the muck, fellas. This is these are both very confusing and uh, distressing, distressing, disturbing <laughs> songs. And I, the second one, I'm not sure it is a song. Really, <laughs> and it's I'm an offering. Really, I'm really mad about this story more than the message of it. I mean, I, the execution of it, I suppose, is all right. I, I don't know, but there's something about the my friend thing and his voice that just really grinds my gears. <laughs> and I don't care about the religious stuff. And honestly, I that that's what music sounded like back then. So it doesn't. But there's just something about the way he sings and his yeah. voice and his lack of uh, emotion that uh, he's a shitty singer. Just yeah, yeah, that that really bothers me. So <laughs> if I'm that's gonna, a showcase song, you know that he sucks. Real. He's bad. Yeah. It just sucks, and this sucks too. But it's kind of funny. I, I don't, you know, it's just outrageously <laughs> ridiculous. So I'm gonna. It's my friend's worst. Yeah. <laughs> a dog does it again. Here we go. Friend, 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 friend. Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> Not even the song we judge with this. <laughs> you should see if we can isolate that yes. <laughs> use that AI, use the Lennon tech. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow, what a bunch of crap. Wow. Jeez. Wow, is he woozer? Woozer, Hulwitz. That really sucked. Those were just obscure. <laughs> we Ugh. continue to impress me. You guys are genius for finding those. <laughs> fucking rock did you look under? It's under this. It says shit, 1954. What's in this box? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that was a disturbing torture session for poor George, but I think we might have a remedy here. Yeah, please. And first we need to ask uh, our friend Majel to come in and, and make it all suddenly worthwhile. All right? Yeah. So here we go. Sorbet. Let the healing begin. <laughs> I'm at the point now, Aaron, where I have no idea who did which one, so. No, nor I. I'm just going to play whichever one I can find at this point. All right, George. Well, you put in your time in the torture chamber, and now it's time for you to let us hear a sorbet and feel all warm and tingly. Yes, this is from uh, 1974. It's an act that you will know. This is one of my favorite records from them. Um, it's their second album. And um, kind of an obscure track from them, but it's really they really started playing it more live since probably 2005 um, and really became a fan favorite. And I thought of it again because, oddly enough, I was on YouTube and I watched uh, John Karabi, who was the guy in Motley Crue when Vince was gone, doing an acoustic version of it just with a guitar. And it was really good, and I remembered how much I love this song and how much I love this record. So let it play. It's the, the, the opening's a little bit long. Maybe it's a minute. It's just instrumental. But then singing starts, and uh, I think you'll know the group right away, but you probably don't know this song. 
So we'll let it roll. All right, here we go. played this for the halloween episode <laughs> creepy the wind and everything yeah right yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what this is? Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I've never heard this before either, George. Probably haven't. Yeah, Deep Pull. Yeah, I, obviously you'll know the band, Aaron. I already do, but uh, for a band this iconic with this many, just so prominently featured in, in all rock history, it's weird yeah. that I've never heard this song before. Oh, is you know? this fucking? This is Aerosmith, right? Yes. Oh, is this Season of Wither? Yes. Whoa. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. 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 I, I was. It was on the back of my. It was in my head somewhere that I did know this. I really like this song. Oh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this is my virgin listening. So here we go. Here we go. going on to me the guitar is almost peter bucky mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. like yeah, I, like they jangly almost the birds deal yeah the the picking and and i know that rem used to cover they used to be a cover band before they kind of did their own music and and they covered aerosmith a lot they were big fans of aerosmith now obviously peter buck listened to a lot of birds and everything but it almost so- this almost sounds like something from one of the first couple <laughs> rem albums that guitar part and yeah. then the uh steven's vocal melody to me is very grungy yeah, this sounds like uh, what uh, Alice in Chains became. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of that. You're right. Interesting. Okay, George. So if you said this was the second album. Yeah, it's from Get Your Wings. Get Your Wings. Which... You guys, you guys will know, you might know some stuff. You might know same old song and dance from Get Your Wings. For sure. Sure. Yeah. And I didn't know this part. Steven has this whole story that he said, I used to lie in my bed at dawn listening to the wind and the bare trees, how lonely and melancholy they sound. I was pissed off about my taxes and getting mad, and getting mad helps me to write. So one <laughs> night I went down to the basement where we had a rug on the floor and a couple of boxes for furniture. And I took a few two and alls and a few second alls. And I scooped up this guitar Joey gave me, this dumpster guitar, and I lit some incense, and I wrote Seasons of Wither. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> what, what, my, one of my favorite things about this is I love, uh, I love Joey Kramer's drumming. I love how spare and acoustic it is, but there's something powerful about it. Right. 
Yeah. That gives it a, and this was before really people had power ballads. It was funny to me in, in the Wikipedia description, they call this a power ballad. And I would never think of it as that because this was before the era of the power ballad that at least that I know in the eighties. And uh, just in, in speaking to the other point about Kiss was that without listening to Kiss, I wouldn't have found this record and liked something this moody. And I was like probably 12 years old or 11 years old when I got this record. But I like this music because it did seem like an adult song. This didn't seem like Kiss's fun party music, let's get blowjobs, you know, whatever the things Love Gun, things that they did. This was much more of a an adult record. Contemplative. Right. Even though Train Kepper Rolled, you guys know they covered Train Kepper Rolled, and that's on this yeah. record too. And there's some other great songs on this, Lord of the Thighs and Pandora's Box. And I, I really, this is one of my favorite Aerosmith records. It's not one that did very well for them. The next album was Toys in the Attic, and it broke them, Walk This Way, and Sweet Emotions on that record. But this has always been one of my favorites, and I love that it grew in popularity as it went on, where they do it now, and you can watch them doing it last year. I really like them when they do this, when Aerosmith does this vibe, like this, and and my other song, the other song of theirs that I like a lot was uh, Kings and Queens. Oh, yeah. It's that, yeah. it's a really fucking takes its time, yeah. and it's, they're, they're off of, I get a kick out of them being, Stephen being crazy sexual and everything, that's funny and yeah. good, and he's fucking great at it. Booda bop, beat up a boop. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is cool to hear this other shade to them, and like, Aerosmith is fucking great, man. When they're, when they're fucking doing their great stuff, like, man, they're really, it's really awesome and makes me proud as an American band in the same way that the Heartbreakers do. You know, like they have so many shades that they can, and I don't begrudge the fact that they had the hits with the co-writers later because like they, they made their bones in so many rad ways. Yeah. And it was a success that they came back. It was so cinematic. But like this time, this period is really interesting music. I'm happy that you like it, Georgie, because like I've had some run-ins with you in the past where you go, no, 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 I don't like it because it's depressing. It's drug music. Right. And this is, and I know, and I love Kings and Queens and that's really drug music. And yeah, so is this. Yeah. So but I'm happy I, that you like it. Yeah. I love, I love this. Uh, I love this record. It takes me right back to being 11 or 12 years old. And so, but I, I love what you guys are adding about, I never would have thought of Alice in Chains with this, but yeah. you're right. Yeah. And you're right. There's a lot of good songs on this. The only weak spot I think is their cover of My Friend. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much with the bending. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> That was available only um, on later CD releases in Japan. It's hard to find. It's a but, hidden track. <laughs> it's a hidden track. It's a hidden track, but... It's hard to find, and, and mostly the, the internet agrees that it's for good reason. <laughs> Shouldn't be found ever. Would it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Damn, this is the template for fucking Alice in Chains. I, it never occurred to me. <laughs> Wouldn't have me. Either, but this no. is like the template. Like, let's do this. All right. And I'm telling you, the, REM, their first three albums sound like this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know they were Aerosmith fans. That's they did uh, Toys in the Attic, uh, and I've heard. Oh, yeah. right. I did hear them do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And George, you're right. The the drum sound itself, like the just the production of the... 
the way they captured uh, Joey's drums really sounds good. It's not, it's that era before they just started piling uh, reverb and effects on drums and it's just like a great natural sound. Yeah. Sounds really good. And like he's sp- sparingly with cymbals, you know, it's not, it's not, he does them later when it, the power, more powerful parts come, but, but he's, uh, I love this. Yeah. Joe Perry is one of those guitar heroes where he always, and I, George and I have talked about this before, but like there's so much danger in them about to go off the rails entirely, mostly him. It seems <laughs> yeah. to me. Cause like the Tom Hamilton and Joey Kramer is just fucking ass kicking. And then Whitford is, seems like I have none, no concern with Brad Whitford. He's the secret sauce really in this band. <laughs> For real. And then, but <laughs> yeah. like Joe has the look, he has every, he has the riffs, da, 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 da. But it always feels like it's right, right about like, I always feel like I, he's going to be turning around like, what's going on? Like looking at his guitar, like there's some input jack issue or something. <laughs> like a problem is about to happen with Joe Perry. <laughs> yeah. He's going to fall down. Something, right. Yeah. I know. And, uh, you know, I don't know how fair it is of me to feel that way, but like, but therein lies the, you know, like the stones could afford to have Keith be a fucking mess because Charlie was going to be there. Right. Or you know? Ronnie Wood or whoever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, like Char- if Charlie's there supporting you and Bill Wyman's going to be reliable, then you all could probably fuck off or you can, you can afford to warm into the night. I feel that way about Aerosmith, where once they get warm and ready to roll, they're fucking on fire. But he always seems about ready to fall apart to me, which is <laughs> thrilling. Yeah. What I loved about Joe always is he's not a shredder whatsoever. No. No, it's but a, it's still a and and, and, un, and overlooked sometimes as a great guitar player because he's not yeah. a shredder. Yeah, he's yeah. more in Keith's you know wheelhouse there, and that's obviously totally. there what they're trying to be a little bit. And fucking Aerosmith is fucking great. They are really, they really were. Carrying on. That this makes it clear that this isn't Allison Changes. They're not doing that fifth harmony. Right, right, yeah. That Allison Changes does all the time. Right, yeah. yeah <laughs> right. They, 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 if they do a fifth, everybody would be fine. These guys just did a fifth of Hooch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is their fifth line. <laughs> My fifth two and all. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take two of those. I looked that up. I'm like, two and all. So what are those? Like, what are <laughs> I just had my fifth 17 year old. <laughs> it's cool I married her, so yeah, fine. no hassles. <laughs> I I made her declare herself emancipated from her family. And I in no way feel any kind of complexity about it. Should be fine. Basically her parents sold her to me. That's what I <laughs> and I'll probably dump her off on them when I'm done with her at the end of the tour. Thank you. Yeah, like shortly. Shortly. I want I want to be clear about that. Like this is not gonna last through the season. By the way, season with it, everybody. <laughs> yeah, when we get to Grand Rapids, she's yeah. leading. <laughs> she turns 18 in April, and that's when you'll see her again. <laughs> so, like the March, like late March. I'm talking about like the 29th of March. <laughs> All right.
There goes the Keith riff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. What I like about this for all the guys, and Aerosmith never does this for the most part. Um, Steven, if anyone gets histrionic, but none of the guys in the band ever show off, which I like about them, you know? Yeah. They're not those guys. You're right. Yeah. You just sort of wake up and they're in the middle of like a thick ass groove. Yeah. Right. Oh, this is happening now. All right. This is awesome. I love it. There's also a vibe, um, I don't know, maybe it's the tempo that's doing it for me, but I'm almost getting like a Credence vibe too. And this wasn't, this was only like, what, two years after Credence? Mm-hmm. Right? Like 74. Yeah. Yeah. And Credence was done by like, what, 71, 72? Yeah. And, and they were the biggest band on the planet for a while there. So I'm, I, I don't know, for some reason I'm getting like almost a, a Credence groove going on here. Like John Fogarty, Stephen has like nine voices. Right, yeah. There's a number of different ones that he can whip out on you. Steven particularly. Like, I don't know what the fuck voices he's doing on Dream On are. Yeah. <laughs> <to> do. <laughs> it doesn't sound like him remotely. Right. He talked about that, that this was the record where he started to find his voice. Because the first right. record, they had a different producer and they didn't get along with him and it didn't work. And this record got no support from the label. But this is where they met Jack Douglas. And right. they wanted Ezrin. They wanted Bob Ezrin. And Ezrin didn't have time. I think he's doing a Pink Floyd records. I can't remember what he's doing, but then he said, well, you should meet my pal, Jack Douglas. And then Jack Douglas produced everything up all the stuff in the seventies and, you know, was, was their guy. And this is where you could hear them starting to become who they're going to be on toys in the attic here. A lot of these songs, you can hear that. And then the other thing about them, I, you guys are hearing different things and I, but I was hearing different bands than I do. Like I, one thing I loved about the about Aerosmith is they seem to be both influenced, obviously, heavily by the Stones. That seems to be their thing, including the way they look. I mean, I don't know if anyone looks more like Mick and Keith than Joe and Steven, right? <laughs> right. But I mean, they have the same lips and the whole bit and the whole thing. And but there's there's a lot of Beatles in them too, and you can hear it a lot. And then not until later on in life did I realize that's where they were. Oh, and you can I I can hear both bands. Because it used to be back then, you either one or the other, and you can hear both of them in everything Aerosmith does. Agree or no? I don't yeah, know. Totally. Well, I was hearing more sort of like solo Lennon in this song. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's a little bit darker, a little more like confessional and stuff. I hear more uh, Mother or something from the first Plastic Ono album as opposed to I Am the Walrus or something, you know? Right, yeah. Well, like what Aaron said, there's there always has to, there has to be one Beatles fan in a band, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I they covered "I'm Down," they covered some other stuff. They they did they've done Beatles songs. Oh, "Come Together" is their famous one. All right, I forgot that from yeah. That's the only thing good on Sgt. Pepper. Only thing it isn't a disaster, right? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that too, I just realized how much I ripped off that riff of Joey's right there. Bum bum ba dum. I do that all the time, or when I played the drums, I did. <laughs> and to me, that sounds like he sounds like Ringo here. There's something about it that's making me. After we listen to uh, here and now, or whatever we listen to now and then, it makes me feel like when I talked about those Ringo sounds, this feels like that to me now. Yeah, well, like I said, Joey's yeah. just keeping it together. He's he's just yeah. laying down the groove, and which is why I'm sort of I get the credence vibe from it a little bit. But um, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's total Ringo move. Is like there's still the groove is great, but he's not he's not flashing anything. You know, in fact, I saw this is a little off the topic, but on Ringo, I was watching. Ringo's gone out with a bunch of different bands, like all star yeah. bands, and it's always different players, and and it's always an interesting mix of people. And he was and he was with uh, Sheila E one year, maybe a couple oh, of years, wow. but at least once. Yeah. And Ringo, because he usually has like a you know a, a backup drummer too, so he can walk out and sing his songs. Yeah. But. Uh, for whatever reason, I think it was just Ringo on the stage was doing Glamorous Life. <laughs> really? Laying, laying down the fucking Ringo groove on Glamorous Life. It was so good. You guys got to check that out. I got to totally see that. I'd love to see that. It ain't much. Yeah. It, you're like, oh, it's like the Sergeant Pepper groove. Like, do, 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 like that, 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 yeah, right. that yeah. thick Ringo groove. But playing yeah. Glamorous Life. And it sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> I'd like it if you were small minds. Big dreams really don't impress me in bed. <laughs> Money only pays the rent. It ain't without love, it ain't much, is it? <laughs> it never has been. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, here we go. Yeah. of wither does that mean like fall like the leaves are dying and stuff yeah that's what he said when he was in massachusetts that was the feeling he was getting he'd, he'd wake up and he would, he'd see and see all that stuff yeah cool I would have minded him bringing in a harmon like on the second chorus, harmonizing on himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I, I still like it. I've just thought, ooh, that would have been a perfect opportunity to, for him to bring in his. Because does Joe do the harmonies in the studio, or does Stephen do them all himself? It's a good question. They do that. They do that bit all the time where they share a mic. Two guys, mm-hmm. one mic. They do that a lot where Joe yeah. sings parts with him all the time. That's sort of their sound. As far as I can tell, Joe's not a bad singer. Like he can sing. I mean, he does his own solo albums where he sings, right? Yeah, he, he did some. They weren't great, but yeah, he, he sings, yeah. I think it's a concentration factor. Though. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And now uh, I'm going to claim they influenced Black Crows on that section. Yeah, I can hear that. I do hear that. But yes. that was kind of like on their sleeve the entire time, wasn't it? The Black Crows? Pretty well that and Rod Stewart, yeah, of course. That right, the faces, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Frog section there. Yeah. <laughs> but when nice. you have Dream On on the first record, right? So, like, no one can then tell you, hey, let's have a more concise song. It's like, well, fucking Dream On is fucking ponderous before it existed as what it is. Now you know that it's Dream On. 
But like at the time, imagine trying to sell that to the fucking label. Like, <laughs> just stick with it. I'm telling you. I thought you were a boogie band. I love I love music from this time anyway. You can hear the 60s in it still, you know. Yeah. And yeah. By, the, by the mid-70s, it's out, you know. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys do more songs about your seven-inch dick? <laughs> Ten-inch record, right? Oh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> oh, it's Kiss with the seven inches, right? Uh, seven-inch leather heels from yeah, Do You Love right, Me. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right yeah. But they're all singing about dicks. Come on. It's all dick. Well, I mean, Love Gun, yeah. It's about yeah. his dick. <laughs> it's nice to hear him when he gets into that grit where, like, it's so it's really satisfying to hear someone be fully realized in their art. Because, you know, it's like, it takes a minute to happen sometimes, but then other, like, except for like Sting, where like, when you hear Roxanne on the first record, you're like, whoa, all right, got it. He's there. <laughs> yeah. uh, and where Steven starts to become more himself, like by the time they get to like back in the saddle and those cuts, like he's, there's no one stopping them. The production is fucking awesome. Because like, this is still at a period where it's a little muddy sonically. Yeah, that was the, yeah, exactly. And so they're about to get out of it. But like, mm-hmm. that adds to this number though frankly like you want yeah. that to, this is it's sort of a sludge thing and it's Murky, beautiful yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah all right Right. Nice. Was Aerosmith with Seasons of Wither. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would not have been chagrined if you whipped that out for the Halloween episode. Because it's so, it's a very creepy tune and just the name is creepy and the the whole sound. It's really cool. Yeah. Reminds me of, uh, you know, being home alone and listening to this. Yeah. (laughs) With the headphones that are as big as like a hubcap on a tire. (laughs) You know, I never use those unless I was playing drums because no one was ever home. It was just me by myself. So I just turned the regular speakers up. (laughs) (laughs) No one was telling me, hey, turn that down. You know, no one was there. (laughs) I love it. I love the I love the Smith. All right, fellas. Well, look at that. We have done it again. Episode 65. We are now wrapping up with some horrible torture and some beautiful sorbet, as as is our want. That's how we do it. Uh, we are officially retiring after this episode, but like Kiss, we're going to come back next episode. <laughs> or maybe some other guys will, you know, put on a Damon mask and an Aaron mask and, yeah. you know, a Hologram. George mask and a Foxy mask. And as long as I get my mailbox money, that's all I care that's right. about. That's all really that's right. cares is some other guys will play us and, you know, <laughs> keep those checks coming in. Yeah. It's all going to be Danish money. What is it? Kroner. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there'll probably be a Danish that. version of this. We'll get some Danes and some maybe some New Zealanders <laughs> to play us, and there'll be different things around, you know, touring. You get paid in <laughs> euros. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, so here we are, wrapping up episode 65. We are the number one rockers forever, the Gitmo Bros here at Ear and Loathing, and I guess we'll uh, wrap it up here, boys, and say goodbye, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Good night, everybody. Bye! Ear and Loathing. Fill it to the brim with balls. Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I don't I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Tune in next time for more Ear and Loathing. End transmission. Goodbye. Goodbye.